Our scripture reading this evening comes from the book of Psalms, Psalms 127, 1 through 3. Psalms 127, 1 through 3. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. couple of things before I get started. Um, number one, I figured out what the problem was with the PowerPoint this morning. It was my fault. Go figure. I'd left a uh, animation timer on, and so it was trying to just go the way it had been programmed. It was doing exactly what it was supposed to do, just not what I wanted it to do. Thanks for everybody who tried to work on that this morning. I appreciate that. Second thing, we actually, as a congregation, just in the last couple of weeks, we have gotten our certificate of occupancy, the final one from the city of Katy, for all of our new addition over here. Which means that at long last, construction, major construction anyway, is officially completed. There's still a few minor things that are going to be taken care of over the next several weeks. But as a result of that, one of the things we're going to do is next Sunday night, one week from tonight, Everybody who feels comfortable doing so, okay? And, and we understand that there's still a pandemic going on. There are a lot of factors in people's, in, in people's comfort zone that may not be conducive to this. But for those who are comfortable doing so, we're going to have a brown bag supper after evening worship over there in the fellowship hall next Sunday night. What is a brown bag, you ask? A brown bag means that you bring food for you and for your own family. So it's not a potluck. We're not sharing food. You just provide food for yourself, for your family, and however you want to do that, you want to bring it beforehand, you want to go out and get a fast food, uh, whatever, afterwards, just after evening services, and then bring it to the fellowship hall, that would be great. So be looking forward to that. There's an announcement about that in the bulletin. You'll be hearing more about it in the week to come. But make plans to do that. It's a great time to spend in fellowship with one another. We're going to do just like we would do if we went to a restaurant. If you've been to any restaurants around, same kind of rules that a restaurant would have would apply as far as how we're going to handle ourselves. All right? So be looking forward to that. Thank you so much for allowing me the time to say those two things. Home essentials. It's not just the people that live in a home that make it a home. It's the way we treat each other. It's the way we act toward one another. It's the way we talk to one another. In Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, By wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established. By wisdom all of its rooms are filled with pleasant and precious riches. The Proverbs writer knew in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, that there are some things that must be essential if our homes are going to be godly homes. When couples want to get married, you can go to just about any store, Bed Bath & Beyond or Target or Amazon, and you can type in on your search bar, Home Essentials, and we've got toasters and fans and we've got, you know, butcher knives and, and uh, vacuum cleaners, things that are essential for starting a home, or at least 
quote unquote essential. Things that just have to be there. If you're going to get started, if you're going to have practical things for use in your home, these are the things that need to be there. My question this evening is this. If God could make a list of home essentials, what would be on his list? If God could tell us what a home, a godly home is supposed to look like, what would be essential? What would be essential for building the kind of home that we just read about a moment ago that Kelly read in Psalm 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. What would God say was essential? I want to share with you very briefly this evening five essentials if we would have homes that please the Lord. Number one, a home that would please the Lord is God-focused. And what I mean by that is it's not just that we go to church. It's not just that we pay lip service to serving God. This is where our hearts and our minds really are. In our home, this is what we want to be all about. We want to be God-focused. We want to be Christ-centered. That's an essential. That's what God would say would be an essential. And again, you've got Psalm 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, we're laboring in vain. Is God building your house? Are the principles and precepts of His Word, are the values and is a relationship with Him, are those things really at our core? Are those the things that we really want to be all about? Are we God-focused? In Deuteronomy 6, open your Bibles there if you would, verses 6 through 9, the writer of Deuteronomy challenged the Israelites. He said, make sure, Moses did, make sure that you are teaching and training and bringing up your homes to be God-focused. Listen to how he says it. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your strength. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Put them as a frontlets between your eyes. He is saying that God-focused living is an essential element of a godly home. This is what God desires us to be all about. Talking about Him, talking about His commandments, and striving to live according to those commandments. Being focused on God. Is he really what we're all about? In Luke 6, 46, Jesus asked a question to disciples that might need to be asked to many of us in our homes. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Why do you say that you serve God, that you please God, and still there is no obedience, there's no action? It's about being God-focused. Home essentials. In Ephesians 6, verse 4, Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Is God the focus of what we're trying to teach our children? Are we trying to help our children to grow up to know Him? Those things ought to be on our hearts and our minds, and they certainly, parents, ought to be things that we pray about frequently. God help us to be more focused on Him in our homes. What's essential number two? 
If God could make a list of what's essential in a godly home, he would say this, secondly, a home that is godly is servant-minded. We talked about this this morning at length. A servant's heart, service-oriented. We help each other. We love each other. We want to serve each other in our homes. In Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus gave us the golden rule, and it ought to be applied in our homes. The Bible says that we ought to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. That's the golden rule. And it's one thing to apply that when I'm in the church and I'm in front of people and they can see how I'm treating others. It's another thing to do it at home. Whatever you'd have men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, the Bible gives a description of love. Fifteen qualities, fifteen characteristics. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't behave rudely. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself, puff itself up. It rejoices not in iniquity, but in the truth. And maybe one of the things as a family we ought to do from time to time is to sit down and ask ourselves, how much patience are we showing one another? How rudely are we behaving toward each other? Is a servant's heart seen in the way that we treat one another on a daily basis. Romans 13, verse 8, the writer says that we ought to love each other, that we ought to care for each other. All the law is fulfilled in this, that we love one another. We need to be servant-minded, service-oriented. Through love, we are to serve one another. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. And so, if God could speak to us and tell us what is essential in our homes, what kinds of things just can we not do without, he would say we ought to be building servants' hearts. Because that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what it means to follow Christ fully. It's also what it means to have a godly home, servant-minded. Third, what would God say is essential in a home? Grace-oriented, God-focused, service-minded, grace-oriented. The word grace means blessing. It means favor. It means kindness. And grace is especially seen in how we communicate with one another and how we talk to one another. If we could put a recording device and stream your house into all of our podcasts, all of our homes, if we could listen on a weekly basis to what's being said and how it's being said, and if we could watch the body language that's being communicated in your home, would we be embarrassed? Would there be much grace in the way that we are treating our families? God would say gracious words, kind words, Communication that's grace-oriented ought to be the norm, not the exception in the way that we treat each other. In Luke 4, verse 22, the Bible says that people marveled at Jesus because of the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. When Jesus spoke, sometimes he said things that were hard for people to hear, but he was gracious, he was kind. Jesus always said what he said because he needed people to understand how desperately they needed God. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 29, that no corrupt communication is to proceed out of our mouths, but what is good for necessary edification. 
Said another way, Ephesians 4.29 teaches, if it's not upbuilding, if it's not uplifting, if it's going to tear somebody down, I need to keep my mouth shut. On the other hand, if it's going to bring grace and blessing and favor to somebody, I ought to be quick and eager to say it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, being grace-oriented. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Open your Bibles there if you would. Every once in a while, it's good to just open our Bibles and see for ourselves what these passages are teaching. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus himself says these things. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. How do I feel about the people that I live with? How do I feel about my family? You know, it's interesting that we will say things and we will be vicious and razor sharp with the people that we love the most. And sometimes it's just because we're taking them for granted because we know we can say those things and we wouldn't lose a friendship, but we would never say those things to somebody in the business world. We'd never say those things to somebody at school. Grace-oriented, because out of the abundance of our hearts, the mouth speaks. In Colossians 4, verse 6, Paul writes, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you might know how you ought to answer each one. When we speak to one another, brothers and sisters, and especially in our homes, may our words and our actions be grace-oriented. May they be intended for blessing, for upbuilding, for kindness. Wouldn't the world be a better place if our homes looked like this? I mean, we've been through three points of a lesson. God-focused, servant-minded, grace-oriented. Wouldn't the world be a better place if this is the way every home looked? Starts with you making the decision, this is how I'm going to treat the people around me. Number, five, number four, home essentials. For a home to honor God, it is to be decisively bonded. What do you mean by that? I mean that it is super glued together and there is no force that we're going to let destroy that glue. That we are glued together and we tell each other repeatedly, I'm glued to you, you're stuck with me in a kind way. We're living together because we love each other and because we're bonded to each other. Matthew 19, 6, they asked Jesus a question about divorce, and his response was, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no one separate. What he's saying there is, the way God designed the home, when a man and a woman get married, that is a commitment, and that commitment is not to be trifled with. It is certainly not to be broken. What God has joined together, let no one separate. That needs to be not just a principle for how we view our marriages. That also needs to be something that we say to each other. I'm committed to you by my words, by my actions. We're here for each other. There's not even a hint, there's not even a thought that there's ever going to be a dissolution of this union. 
In Ruth 1 that we read this past week, you notice how many of the passages that we've read this week are in this particular lesson? There's a reason for that. In Ruth 1 verses 16 and 17, Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, I'm not going to leave you. I'm sticking with you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be, by, shall be my God. May the Lord so do to me and more also if anything but death separates you and me. That's decisive bonding. And brothers and sisters and friends in a world where people just kind of come and go and there's very little commitment in a lot of homes, that needs to be a principle that's seen more in godly homes. We're committed to one another. We're committed to making our marriages work. We're committed to our children. We're committed to husbands and wives. In Proverbs 18, 22, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. God says that your spouse is a blessing intended by God to bless you. We need to make sure that we're remembering that principle in the way that we treat one another. We're bonded decisively. In Psalm 127, verse 3, the Bible goes on to say that children are a heritage from the Lord. They're not given to you to make your life miserable. They're a heritage that God has blessed you with. And there ought to be commitment. There ought to be decisive bonding that takes place. We love each other. We're a family. We stick together. We care for each other. Our home is a place of refuge. It's a place of commitment. It's a place of security. It's a place where we are bonded because we love the Lord and we love each other so much. That kind of attitude needs to be seen in more homes. Number five, home essentials, affectionately devoted. You know what that means? That means that we like each other, that we strive to like each other. And that's not always easy to do because we're imperfect people and imperfect people make sinful decisions. And those sinful decisions bring painful consequences and painful issues into our relationships. And it's not always easy to be affectionate and loving toward one another, but that is something we ought to work toward as God's people being affectionately devoted to one another is something that ought to characterize our homes. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse 25 that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That means, husbands, that our wives mean more to us than anything else because the church means more to Christ than anything else. And so there is affection, there is kindness, there's sacrifice, there's compassion because of the fact that we care for our spouse. In 1 Peter 3 verse 7, the Bible commands husbands to dwell with their wives with understanding. Wives are to be submissive, to respect their husbands, to love their husbands. Husbands are to dwell with their wives with understanding and be kind and honor them. Affection, kindness toward one another. You remember in Luke 15, verses 20 through 24, when the prodigal went into the far country? And then he came to himself in Luke 15, verse 17, and he decided he was going to come back to his father's house. And the Bible says that while he was still far off, his father was watching for him. And what did the father do? 
You want, to, you want to see affectionate devotion. The father dropped everything, jumped off the porch, and ran to embrace his son. Why? Because he loved his son so much. Because there was kindness and compassion in his home. And it had always been that way. And when his son came home, there was confession, there was penitence, there was forgiveness. Because in that home, the father represents God. It needs to represent more homes and the way we treat each other today. 2 Samuel 19, 4, I've always been fascinated by Absalom and David. Absalom was David's son. Absalom rebelled against his father, started an insurrection, claimed to be the king, in fact, tried to kill his father. And when word came to David that Absalom had been killed, David didn't celebrate. He didn't rejoice. You remember? He cried like a baby. Oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son. There was affection even when his son had been so ungodly and rebellious. Affectionately devoted to one another. When we think about what a home, biblically, principle-wise, is to look like, there are some essentials that are really pretty straightforward and simple, but they can take a lifetime to try to employ and try to live. I believe this. I believe that homes are God's best training lab for ministry and for maturity. I believe that our homes are our most important ministry. And I believe that if we can learn to be a Christian in our homes, we can be a Christian just about anywhere. Because the people that we live with, they know us best. They know what makes us tick. They know how to push our buttons. Can we be God-focused and grace-oriented? Can we be affectionately devoted to another, one another? because we love and serve the Lord first and foremost. Home essentials. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not a New Testament Christian. You'd like to obey the gospel. Believe in Jesus Christ, confess his name, repent of your sin, be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you're ready to make that commitment this evening or if you'd like to respond and ask for prayers, heaven's invitation is yours while together we stand and while we sing.